May the words that uh, we share together be inspired by your Holy Spirit, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to uh, the second time we've done this uh, uh, format, uh, Chapel Chat, I think is the name that we're falling on. Um, and I'm very privileged uh, to be joined uh, in the chapel um, by my father. Uh, we're uh, continuing our series uh, on God uh, is Possible. And uh, Dad and Mum are down from uh, Bundaberg, which I'm calling my little satellite church plant in Bundaberg because there's a, a number of people uh, connected to Mum and Dad at, at Bundaberg who are watching our, our services. So welcome if you're joining us from Bundaberg. Um, and uh, when I asked Dad to join us, he, the first thing he said was, what will I wear? Um, <laughs> I think maybe he thought, as I'm starting to dress down a little bit more for church, that he needed to wear a T-shirt and jeans. Uh, but I just assured him just to, to come as he is, and he has uh, this morning. Um, one of the, uh, the people who uh, made God possible for me is uh, this man. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, and at the age of eight, uh, Dad went off to theological college uh, to train to be a priest. Um, and so uh, every Sunday I was going to church and when I was in my angsty teenage years and said I didn't want to go to church anymore, um, I was made to teach Sunday school. I'm not sure how wise that was uh, for mum and dad, but it kept me connected to church. And so uh, I know that my story is uh, particularly unique, particularly in this generation, um, but it's not Dad's story. So, Dad, would you just share um, a little bit about your journey to coming to church and the idea of God becoming co possible for you? I've, I've always found over the years that God always meets us at the point of our need. I grew up in a family where I never heard about God. Uh, Jesus Christ was a swear word that I often heard in our house or at school. And yet I found myself, it's another longer story, in the choir, as a choir boy at 11 years of age at St. Jude's Randwick. And it was there that, um, through the encouragement and the people who were the senior members of the choir, who had a real standard of excellence, that we had to learn that when we were singing, we were in the very presence of God. And of course, the High Church Anglican Church at Randwick had all the visual aids with candles and bells and everything else to enable us to, um, that God's presence was very real the time of prayer before we ever went into worship, the silence before worship, helped me to begin a journey to come closer to God. God doesn't move, but somehow he draws us closer to himself, and that's uh, my first experience. Um, you mentioned that um, St. Jude's Randwick um, had all the visual aids. One of the visual aids that you see in some churches is stained glass windows. And today uh, is All Saints, and often in, in churches uh, they have images of the saints um, throughout the generations um, on their windows. But saints aren't just on stained glass windows. Um, I've had the privilege of, of, of not just having mum and dad uh, being the people who made me um, have that realisation that God was possible for me, but many people throughout my journey uh, have been saints. And I know that's been the same um, for Dad. Um, can you share a few of the saints that weren't on the stained glass windows at St. Jude? <laughs> well, um, one of the stained glass windows was St. George and uh, the Dragons, so I do remember that. But it was in that chapel where I, um, a couple who were actually senior members of the choir prepared me for my confirmation, which occurred in 1948. <laughs> Not only did they prepare me for confirmation, but they became my sponsors. And at the, um, 
end of the confirmation, I was given a prayer book for my own very use and encouraged to learn to say morning and evening prayer, to go through the Psalms every day of the week. And it was something that I found that my faith was not taught so much, but caught. The leader of the fellowship, Ernie, he had a, we gave him a terrible time. He wanted to demonstrate to us how God loved us, but we just wanted to give him a hard time. And yet it's amazing from that young Anglican fellowship how many clergy over the, my lifetime have come in, have come from that church at Randwick. And even two girls from the fellowship became clergy wives, one the wife of, of a bishop. And so God touches us. And I think that when we realise that um, there are people around us who really are saints, they are God's saints that stand in our path, give us a nudge. At my confirmation, I was given a little a badge to wear with a iscus, it was a sign of the fish. And when I was in a train, engineering training college, um, one of the instructors came up to me and said, you're a Christian. Look, would you like to spend your lunchtime sharing the Bible with me? And um, over that um, period I was in the Annandale Training College, we went through the letter to the Romans. And again, it had another impact on my life. That's probably a start anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think um, being in our roles um, as church leaders um, running churches, um, we do have a privilege of seeing some of the saints uh, throughout the generations. And... Uh, and how you relate to each other, um, and also how you share your love of God to us. Um, clergy need saints um, as well as those people on their way. Um, and Dad was telling me this great story about the organist um, in uh, our little um, church uh, in uh, suburban Newcastle when he was first made a priest. I wonder if you could share that story about um, her taking communion. Well, I was a new... Com I was a new um assistant clergy person and um, because this lady was the organist she was the first person to receive communion and um, it's probably the first person that I ever actually had ministered to communion in my life as a, as a priest and um, as you came I was amazed at the radiance and the look of peace on her face and uh, she just sort of radiates and I, I'm, after the service I said Holy Communion must be special for you I said, oh yes, he said, my husband died in a mining accident years ago. So when I come to communion, I just feel the very presence of God. And I know he's in the presence of God. As I receive communion, he's actually kneeling beside me. His presence is there. And so we share God's presence together. And I think her testimony gave me a sort of understanding that the, of the privilege that... Um, we have to share communion with each other, to be in the fellowship of the church, to uh, minister to each other. Over my lifetime, I've always tried to teach the ministry team as all of us together. There's no hierarchy. We're, we're all ministers. And I guess in consequence from today, we're all saints. Other times where we've ministered to the bereaved, trying to meet people at their point of need, to show them that God is there. And um, I've always tried here in the many funerals I've had to take was that God's love is always there. Neither de life nor death can separate us from God's love. And when we commit someone into God's keeping, we're committing into the depths of his love. I think that's an experience that uh, has always just stuck with me, that every person is unique. 
We're all special, and God has a purpose for each of our lives. And I think growing up, one of the things that really struck me about Dad's ministry, uh, even though I used to swear that I'd never become a minister, um, I was really uh, taken by the connection that he had with the community, um, particularly on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. We lived, um, I guess, in one of the retirement capitals. And so Dad, I think, was doing about 80 funerals a year. Um, but that connection that he had with people uh, through doing funerals is, is something that, that I've had the privilege of, of begin, beginning to understand. I've got uh, nowhere near the, the funeral count that Dad, that Dad has. Uh, but I've seen that absolute certainty that, that love is stronger than death. And if we believe that God is love, if we make God possible by making love possible, then we're actually doing part of that work of God uh, to make God possible in those moments of people's lowest points. And I've been amazed that in the, the midst of grief, that sure and certain hope of love being present uh, is just overwhelming for the people gathered. And they, they might not know that that is God just there and then. Uh, but it's an amazing witness to be able to, to stand um, at the front of a church or at the back of the church as you go out um, with a casket and just to see that, that amazing, overwhelming sweep of love through that family, that, that group of friends. Um, and to see that this time of year when um, it's not a, just about kids roaming the streets in stupid costumes collecting lollies, this time of year reminds us, uh, with all saints and all souls tomorrow, that love is stronger than death. And if God is love, God is stronger than death, and God becomes possible as we start to understand how amazing uh, love is. Is there anything else um, from your thousands and thousands of funerals that, that you think that might be uh, a value to share with us this morning? I think it's the, um, the privilege of realising that um, this time, we, this journey we have on this part of our lives is only very temporary. There's something wonderfully waiting for us in the future that um, we live in the kingdom of self and yet God wants us to live in the kingdom of God and it's, it's a continuing kingdom. It's something that we need, just meeting beside people at their time of need to be someone at a point of death to see them just slide from this life the kingdom of self into the kingdom of God I think that's probably one point that's important I, um, I wanted to sort of touch a bit about our Bible reading today um, the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount the blessed are those who and, and I think blessing is, is, a, is a word uh, that is really complicated um, it's not just a hashtag hashtag blessed uh, that we put on on our experiences. And one of the things that, that I've actually found quite uncomfortable this, this season that we're in at the moment is hearing a lot of people say, oh, how blessed are we that we're living in Queensland? Or how blessed are we that we live in Australia? And it makes me wonder, well, what does God think about those people in other parts of the world, particularly in the UK, who they've just gone into another lockdown? Um, record numbers um, uh, have, catched, uh, have caught um, COVID in, in the US and other parts of the world um, that are dealing with problems way beyond our comprehension. Um, and I think to think of, of blessing 
um, in the way and the framework that Jesus presents on the Sermon on the Mount is really helpful for us because as a little uh, catchy uh, song that you can't get out of your head that we played uh, this morning, Count Your Blessings, sometimes they're hard to see and hard to understand and that you only see them in hindsight. Um, And knowing that uh, our whole life is a blessing, uh, even when we're going through the darkest points, that can actually be used uh, for God's glory. And um, I know that that's been uh, part of my testimony in that seeing that even even in the the real depth and darkness uh, of the struggle of the last six months, um, I think I've been more creative in different ways than I ever have been. Uh, And I I know that uh, it hasn't always been easy for for you, Dad. So uh, what what are some of the the blessings that that have been perhaps hard to see that that, that you've experienced in your life? I think when Jesus gave that Sermon on the Mount, he was introducing what we call a Christian lifestyle or a Jesus lifestyle. And um, when uh, Stuart was only four years of age, we were in New Zealand and um, we went to a little community church and um, there was a beautiful lady there that just sang, God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he taught me to freely, freely, you have received freely, freely give. And that song was the turning point in my life, my career. I was... Uh, seen a technical officer with the telecom and suddenly I had this desire that I, I wanted to be able to share God's love in the same way that this girl shared her love for me. What was so clear to me that she was in love with Jesus? And I had to question myself, am I in love with Jesus? I know the right words, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all that, but was I really in love with Jesus? And so it was that turning point and I think it's one of the points where one of the saints of God I don't don't know her name, I know she was beautiful, she played the guitar well, but um, she was in a Christian commune, but um, she'd given her life to Jesus and her her saintliness was sharing that love as God had taught her to do. And I think that's probably one point I'd love to share, which I just have done. (laughs) (laughs) Others are points of people who I've shared ministry with in church, the people who led the intercession. Do you know what? get up and preach about something, didn't know what the intercessor was going to pray about, and it was as if we'd been sat down for a week before and just put the whole sermon and intercession together because God used him through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring blessing on those in the life of our church. God blesses us, and I guess we're blessed to become a blessing for others. And I think that's uh, what we wanted to, to really share with you this morning is that that even though um, we have been set apart as priests and we do these sort of things where we bless people uh, and at moments we might anoint people um, and and pray purposefully for them, um, we do that so you can be released uh, to be in love with God and share that love with others. We're blessed to know that in this room and online and those watching later, um, you are all saints and and we wanted to encourage you in that, that, that God can choose ordinary people like us uh, who probably never expected that we would have this life. But not just people who choose to become clergy, but all of us uh, are blessed to be a blessing. So uh, let me pray. Loving God, 
You call us all to be saints and we have been blessed through our journey to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who have shared the love of God through their life and their experience with us and made God possible for us. On this special day of the church's year, help us uh, to remember them. But also help us to remember that people also look towards us. Some people even refer to us as saints. Help us uh, to hold on to that identity that you have placed upon us. And let it not become something we are proud of, something that we can rub in people's faces, but let it become a humble offering that we might be blessed to be a blessing for others. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.